Hi, my name is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my new podcast, Living the New Science. In these podcasts, I'm covering some extraordinary discoveries by frontier scientists and why this changes everything we think about how our world works and also how we should live our lives. Today, I want to share with you an amazing conversation I had with that frontier biologist, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Dr. Lipton is author of The Biology of Belief, Spontaneous Evolution, The Honeymoon Effect, and he has popularized epigenetics, the whole idea that our genes don't control our lives, but we can change them based on our environment. So this is what he had to say. Welcome everybody and Dr. Bruce, so great to spend time with you. I am so excited to be here with you, Lynn, and that very wonderful audience that's out there, because if they're watching us, almost by definition, they represent cultural creatives, people that are looking for answers to how are we going to get through all of this, and the answers are not in the box. Uh, And here we are outside the box having an opportunity to uh, shine light on ideas that the general uh, media ignores. Uh, and unfortunately, as, as you've been uh, working on for years, Lynn, how the medical community has been manipulated by pharmaceutical industry and stuff like that, taking away our power at a time when we need all the power we can get, uh, it's time to wake up. And so I'm really thankful for having the opportunity to be with you uh, uh, on this broadcast. Well, thank you, Bruce. I mean, on that note, we're going to be talking about spiritual matters, but on the whole thing of medical repression, I mean, one of the most shocking things that has happened more recently is that Google has changed its algorithms so that organizations like my other organization, What Doctors Don't Tell You, that used to have very high rankings in Google, they've changed it now that so that all alternative medicine sites basically disappear from page one to maybe page 45. And it's not surprising why they do it. Google has purchased two two pharmaceutical companies and is now looking for patients to do drug testing. And so they register because they're tracking us all. They're registering information that we're putting in when we're searching for health, which is, you know, one of the, the greatest searches there is. Is has to do with health. So, I mean, that's just one thing that we are working on, creating an alternative search engine to help people with this. But fear not, because, you know, the powers of darkness are also uh, countered by this, the, the forces of light. So I want to talk to you, Bruce, about some really amazing things that have been going on for me. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, I run power of eight groups. I run small groups and have been really working on the power of group intention, large and small, for many years now, um, and studying it and trying, still trying to understand why it creates spontaneous healing. I'll give you an example. I was at a conference a few months ago doing a talk, um, a conference you've attended before in London, the conference for Uh, consciousness and human evolution. And at the end of my talk, I put people in power of eight groups. And there was a woman in the group who was paralyzed from the neck down. 
and she was in a motorized wheelchair, Maya. And so her group did an intention for healing for her. She had idiopathic paralysis, which means nobody knew why she was paralyzed. But so they did this intention for her. And afterward, I asked the audience, so has anyone experienced anything? And we had lots of raised hands with people saying all sorts of things. But the thing that shocked everybody was when Maya stood up and turned around and talked to everybody. I mean, I was just flabbergasted and so was the audience. I've seen healing in my life with my Power of Eight groups, but this probably topped it. So I've been looking at that state that creates personal healing, that mobilizes the body to do that kind of extraordinary, um, immediate, spontaneous healing. And I just wonder if you have some views on that, because I know you've talked a lot about the honeymoon effect. Well, yeah, the honeymoon effect for most people is almost like spontaneous healing of their life. They could have been blah, blah, blah every day of their life. And then they meet that special person. And 24 hours later, they're experiencing heaven on earth, a honeymoon. Everything's so beautiful and everything. It's like, well, 24 hours, your whole life switched. And all of a sudden you have this whole new life. Uh, it's exactly the same kind of thing you're talking about in regard to the healing that you describe in, uh, in the groups of eight. Uh, and it's really important for us to understand something. So I think uh, the first thing I should start with is a basic fact of science, which I can tell you about. It'll be great in your conscious mind, but I really need it to go deeper into your subconscious program. And that is simply this. There is no science on planet Earth that has been tested more or verified more, or to found it to be more truthful than quantum physics. Quantum physics is the science. Physics is mechanisms, mechanisms of how the universe works. And the relevance about that is, I don't care if you're doing biology, chemistry, psychology, all that. If you don't understand quantum physics first, all the rest doesn't make any sense, because it's the basic mechanisms of life. Now, when I say this, of course, uh, uh, it's just hard to imagine, but I need you to understand it's not imagined, it's real, that first of all, quantum physics uh, recognizes something very, very important, and that is this. Consciousness is creating our life experience, and the relevance about that is very clean and simple, and that is if you change consciousness, then you change life experience. Okay, and the thing we have to also recognize, because it really ties into the aid and the community at large, is there's a belief, of course, that our consciousness is built inside our head. I put wires on my head called electroencephalograph. I can read brain activity. and everybody, Yeah, that's going on inside your head. And I go, there's a new device that reads brain activity. It's called magnetoencephalograph, not electroencephalograph. It reads brain function in the head. I go, yeah, but what's unique? And it goes, the probe does not touch the body. The probe is out here. And you go, well, what's the relevance of that? I go, my God, your thoughts are not contained in your head. Your thoughts are broadcast into the field. Why? I can read them out here. <laughs> and so all of a sudden it says, well, so what? And I go, well, this is what quantum physics primary principle is consciousness is creating our life experience so our thoughts affect us on the inside for sure that's biology stuff but that our thoughts are broadcast into the field uh which is the energy that that we live in uh it basically says then you're altering the outside as well as the inside you're involved with both and this is why 
the quantum physics understanding of our creative character. Now, I say this and I go, okay, look, first of all, there is no such thing as matter. That really blows people right away because, look, we're looking at each other. We, you know, wherever you are, you're sitting, standing, talking, physical. Look physical. I go, illusion, biggest illusion in the whole universe because an atom is not made out of physical particles. Yo, you got electrons and protons and neutrons. I go, yeah, but they opened those up. And what do they find? Quarks, little smaller things inside. And then I say, yeah, but then they went, what's inside that quark? Energy vortex. There's no, there's nothing physical. It's not a particle. It's an energy vortex, a nano tornado, which is a force field. And uh, and I go, so wait a minute. So the atom is made out of energy? Fact. Not a a suggestion. Fact. It's not matter. And I said, well, how come I could see that beautiful Lynn on the screen over there if she's just energy? Because we all know energy is invisible. I go, fact. Photons of light come from the source and they're like beams of photons coming at you. And when they hit the energy body, the photons are reflected back. So you're not seeing the body. What you're seeing is a reflection of photons coming off the surface. Uh, The joke, which is not a joke exactly. Well, you can't see me if the lights are off. (laughs) And it's basically (laughs) why. Because no photons are are being expressed. And then I'll give you a second backup about our energy buildup. Now does this. Scan technologies like CAT scans, MRI scans, and all that. They don't read light. They read energy. I go, why is it relevant? Well, if you see a CAT scan, you can see all the muscles, all the bones, all the organs, and all that. I say, you see them. A scan is going through the body. It's not a light looking in the body. It's an energy profile. I say, so what you see on a CAT scan screen is not physical. It's an energy. I say, well, all the parts of the body, they're units of energy. And then you go, okay, last piece to tie this into Lynn's beautiful work. And that is this. There are no borders in energy. If I talk about physical things, I say, oh, look, my left and my right hand. Oh, look, I can separate them. I can now talk about my left hand. It's different than this. I go, that's an illusion. Why? Energy has no borders. Energy is miscible. It mixes. There's energy. It's just a, an aquarium of energy that we're in. And I go, why is it relevant? It says this, everything in the universe is connected. There is no separate piece of the universe. Everything is energy. We came from energy. That was the big bang. And we're manifesting an energy expression. And so when Lynn's talking about, so what if people get together and they have these thoughts and consciousness? I'm going, well, straight from physics, it's simple. I'm broadcasting an image. I'm broadcasting a field, an energy source. Oh, little sidebar moment. Big, big, important sidebar. Big. You ready? From Albert Einstein. So this is the cool one. You ready? The field, of which we know Lynn is talking about. The field is the sole governing agency of the particle. That is the fundamental belief in quantum physics. It's not a belief. It's a fundamental fact of quantum physics. The energy field shapes what we perceive as particles. And I go, why is it relevant? I said, well, what's the definition of field? Oh, invisible forces that influence the physical world. I go, that's the definition of field. I go, what's the definition of spirit? Invisible forces that influence the physical world. Quantum physics is providing a scientific foundation for what spiritualists thousands of years ago knew about already, 
We ignored it because in the world of our conventional training, which all of us, including myself and even my dear friend, Lynn, our conventional training is, oh, the universe is made out of matter and energy, two separate things. Well, that's Newtonian. Quantum physics in 1925 goes, nope, not two separate things. Everything is energy. And therefore, a field of energy affects a body of energy. And now all of a sudden it goes, well, then this isn't mystical. I go, it has nothing to do with mysticism. This is totally hardcore, most valid science quantum mechanics that our thoughts are shaping our life experiences. That's the principle of quantum physics. And then it says, well, then our thoughts are not just shaping in here, but if we're altering outside, then I say, well, then what happens if a group of people get together and share thoughts? And I go, well, here's an interesting fact. Consider the brain as a tuning fork. Why? Because as it's working, the vibrations are not left inside, but they're all over the place. I go, great. And then I go, well, what else? I go, if each of us is a tuning fork, then we have the power of my tuning fork is X. And I go, well, the power of Lynn's tuning fork is X. And the power of your tuning fork is X. I say, well, what does that mean? I said, if you get enough people to share the same vibration, the amplitude or power of that field is enhanced greatly. And so guess what? The culture that we live in is programmed belief systems. And we are creating based on what? A belief that came in and then our ability to broadcast our response in that field. And I go, so what's the relevance? I said, well, Lynn's been talking about this for years. <laughs> I've been talking about this for years. And it's time for waking up. And the waking up part is this. We are not physical entities. We're all connected. We're all energy. Your thoughts make a difference in our world because your thoughts are broadcast into the field. And if you get a number of people to be in harmony with your thoughts, then that power of that field increases because each of us has a power. But when they start adding together, they amplify each other. And so collective thought will manifest a collective reality. And Absolutely. the idea is, well, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I was going on there, Lynn. I was so excited about energy. No, I'm so glad you explained it because... That is so important. I mean, as Einstein said, the field is the only reality. So when we start looking at the idea that we're energy and not these finite, you know, collections of chemicals and electrical signaling, then it starts making sense that a group can change their inner and outer reality. And what we found I mean, I run a year-long master class, intention master class. And I started that, Bruce, in 2015 because I started seeing a lot of things happening with people, uh, both in my big intention experiments, and I've run 33 of them now, and 29 have shown measurable, positive, mostly significant effects. You know, everything from trying to make seeds grow faster, to purifying water, to lowering violence in war-torn areas to healing someone of PTSD. And this is when I've invited my readers around the world to take part in these carefully controlled scientific experiments. But I started noticing extraordinary things that it wasn't just affecting the target. Participating in these things was affecting the, the participants, the senders, and in amazing ways, in amazing mirror ways, so that if people were intending for peace, you know, I survey people afterward. It's all done very, very, you know, in a, in a very controlled fashion. 
And I got thousands of comments back of people describing their lives becoming more peaceful. You know, they made up with that estranged relative or they, you know, they um, are getting along better with their coworkers and their boss or they're, you know, they're just feeling more love for strangers. Half of the people noted they felt more love for everybody they come in contact with. Um, but it also also affected them physically. Like they entered a kind of altered state. And so did, when I started scaling this down, and I started running these intention master classes, I wanted to see what would happen, not only if I taught all the elements, the keys to intention mastery that I've studied for years and you know, put together with both science and ancient wisdom, but also um, put them in groups and essentially studied them for a whole year, you know, gave them a lot of tips and challenges and, and experiences and experiments, but also monitored their progress. I wondered, would everything in their lives be, begin to change? You know, not only their health, but what about their careers and their finances and their relationships? And as I monitored, I found that of the people, and now I've done this for a number of years, the people who meet every week in their groups, pretty much 100% of them experience some sort of major transformation. So one of the things that I've clocked is the interesting thing about what kind of a transformational experience sets that kind of extraordinary change in their lives. And one of the things that I've found, Bruce, was when they described what was happening to them, a lot of people talk about a big altered state during this power of eight group. You know, they they talk about what A Course in Miracles called the holy instant, um, what other people have called essentially a spiritual orgasm. You know, Abraham Maslow, the famous psychologist, studied them as peak experiences. And he talked about five different things that were really important. One was there's a big physical component. They talked about energy flowing through their bodies when they're, you know, in the intention experiment or in the power of eight groups or crying uncontrollably, you know, some big altered state or feeling out of their body. Um, They also felt this extraordinary sense of oneness, you know, where they felt more love for everything in the world. It's very much like the late astronaut as Edgar Mitchell, when he talked about coming home from the moon and having this extraordinary altered experience, this epiphany. And they talk about a blinding epiphany of meaning like he did, like the world makes sense suddenly. And there's an element of rejuvenation too. But, you know, it was extraordinary to me. There's people who are just in a little group and all we ever do it is 10 minutes. And yet we have this extraordinary experience where that seems to be getting in that state of oneness seems to be the big changer. So Maya even said it felt like the wheels of her wheelchair were falling off. She felt lifted like she was coming out of her chair. She was definitely in another zone. So do you know anything about that? Like with the honeymoon effect, is there anything kind of similarly, you know, that, that happens? Well, absolutely. Um, to to really set the stage for that, let me let me make a, a an, a, an important assumption. Well, it's not an assumption; a fact. Uh, we we talk about the brain as a computer, 
It is. It's beyond any computer that humans could ever create, uh, which a little sidebar there. I always love it because we always think, well, we're so smart and everything less than humans has less and less and less intelligence, you know, like, OK, a dog's intelligent, but not as much. And then a snail, well, it's got a little tiny intelligence and a, a cell. What kind of intelligence? I go. Cells created us. <laughs> Cells made us. We, we, we are a, a consequence of a community of 50 trillion cells. And it's their abilities that give us our abilities. And they created us. So uh, cells are, are, are pretty intelligent here. Okay. So what I need to, to, to bring up, what I was going to talk about, the brain is a computer. It is a computer. And I, uh, let me give an point parallels because a cell by definition in biology private a cell is a programmable chip and the nucleus is a uh, uh, uh we used to think read only that meant whatever your genes are that's your life our understanding today uh i can my genes just by change from chance Last trimester of pregnancy, the operating system is built in. I say, great. I say, what does that mean? I say, well, go buy a new computer and you start it up and it, you know, it, it boots up and we call, oh yeah, that's the operating system. Then I go, okay, now do something, a spreadsheet, draw, write. I go, no, I can't, I can't do anything. I say, why not? Oh, I need programs to work with the operating system. So then we buy programs like MS Word or, you know, Firefox or whatever. We, we buy these programs and then we can use them. And I go, okay, so the first there's an operating system. Then there are programs and, and, and the programs are in the hard drive. But the keyboard on the surface is an opportunity to engage those programs. So here's the analogy. The uh, hard drive is the subconscious. It's got programs in it. That's what it's got. First seven years of our life, our brain is operating at a vibration called theta. Uh, when you put wires on your head, EEG, uh, theta is just below consciousness. So a child for the first seven years isn't really in consciousness, it's in theta. Uh, theta is like imagination and character. And that's how kids have like a ride a broom and it's a horse. And to them, it really is a horse in their consciousness when they're riding that broom. Or I always love it, the tea party where you pour nothing into the cup, you drink the nothing and go, oh, wow, that was the best tea we ever had. And I go, that's theta. But theta is hypnosis. I say, so why is it relevant? Because I say the first, actually the last trimester of pregnancy and first seven years, the brain of a, a human is primarily in theta. And I say, what well, relevance? Um, programming it's it's like a video recorder i say how does it get programs i say it observes mother father community siblings it watches them and in a recording state of theta they download their behavior into you so that's how you got your programs because the whole idea is this if you're going to be functional in a family or functional in a community there are a lot of rules thousands of rules of behavior i think teach an infant okay you know here's a two-year-old sit down listen i need to give you a for you know, a few thousand rules here uh and it's like well obviously that doesn't work but nature created theta a record mechanism that download the program by observing the parents the teachers more or less i go so the programs that we get in the first seven years did not, not come from us they came from our family in our community and i go then what i say after age seven 
consciousness kicks in. I go, oh, now you can use the keyboard. You can call up a program and you can have behavior and all that kind of stuff. So I go, okay, so we have a hard drive with fixed programs. Uh, a conscious mind is operating the keyboard so I can you know, open up the programs and I could use the programs. That's what conscious mind's all about. So now I go back and go very important part then. The conscious mind and the subconscious mind have two different functions and learn, and this is a problem, learn in different ways. So I say, yep, subconscious we talked about. Its function is to record behavior, experiences. A lot of people think it's the negative part. And I go, no, the subconscious is just a device that records behavior. The behaviors could be good. The behaviors could be bad. But the subconscious is great. Uh, great? Yeah. Well, when did you learn how to walk? Before two? Are you still walking? Well, great. You have a subconscious mind. That's that's the whole idea of it. It, it can take complex programs and run them for us because conscious mind's not that big a processor. So I say, okay, so what's happening? First seven years, you get programs, but they're not from you. They're programs by observing the people around you. And then after age seven, you become conscious. Now, the conscious being creative is really great, except here's the issue. And this is the fundamental issue of the planet <laughs> that we're working on right now. And it's simply based on this. Conscious mind not only can operate the keyboard, but conscious mind can think. I go, what do you mean? I go, okay, so I'm, I'll ask you right now. I say, uh, what are you doing on Sunday? Now, now, I ask that question with the idea that you don't have it written down and right in front of you right now. So I say, what are you doing on Sunday? I said, well, you, where are you going to get the answer from? Because you can tell me. I said, where, where did you get the answer from? Oh, I went inside my head and I thought, what am I doing on Sunday? And the images showed up. And I go, oh, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I go, but here's the point. When the conscious mind goes in to think, it stops paying attention to what's going on on the outside. I go, mm. well, what does that mean? I go, we're not paying attention because thinking takes your attention, puts it on the inside. I say, well, what if you're driving the car and you have a thought? I go, no problem. You go, why? Subconscious mind is autopilot. It, it'll take over the control. It's a million times more powerful than the conscious mind. So it's a supercomputer. And I go, so what? I said, well, that's the one that knows how to drive. That's the one that knows how to talk. That's the one that knows how to walk. All of these behaviors that we downloaded, I don't have to think about them. They're automatic. So subconscious, when my conscious mind is thinking, my subconscious mind takes over autopilot, drives my biology. Problem. The subconscious mind's got programs. And when it takes over, it's going to run the program. I said, yeah, but what programs did I have? I said, not yours. <laughs> programs from other people. So when you are thinking, you're not running your biology. When you are thinking, the subconscious mind is running your biology. And I go, well, what's the relevance? I say, well, first of all, because you're thinking, you don't even see your behavior. You don't see it. Why? It's automatic. It's working. You drove the car. You could be in a conversation with a passenger and blah, 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 blah. And then five minutes later, you look out the window and go, Ooh, I didn't pay attention to the road for the last five minutes. I go, oh, you're still here. You're still driving. Subconscious took over. But you want, here's the key. You ready? During that five minutes while you were in the conversation, the car was driving. I say, uh, tell me what was on the road. You hmm. go, I have no idea what was on the road. I go, why? You weren't paying attention. Subconscious was paying attention. Conscious mind had no vision of what was going on. So then all of a sudden I say, okay, now... The biggest 
problem in the world that Lynn has been helping us with is this. Science has recognized that we are thinking over 95% of our day. Hey, I also wanted to let you know about a brand new foundation course that I'm offering called Intention Essentials. It's a five-week webinar that's live and interactive. And in this course, I offer intensive teaching on all the fundamentals of intention and the power of eight, like the right mind state to be in, the right words to use, how to be specific about letting the universe know about what you want, how to stop sabotaging yourself, all the fundamentals of how to conduct a Power of Eight group, and much more. This past year, my participants in my workshops have overcome depression and many other chronic illnesses, had amazing financial windfalls, found dream homes and dream jobs, and much more. And unlike most courses, this is highly experiential learning, live and interactive. So to find out more or book your place, go to lynnmctaggart.com and follow the Intention Essentials link. What does that mean? Well, if you're thinking, then conscious mind is not running the show 95% of the day. I said, well, then who's running the show? I go, you got programs. That's what they run them automatically. So uh, 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 a story that I've told audiences for 32 years, because it's the best story and I haven't found a better one, is you have a friend, you know your friend's behavior very, very well, you know your friend's parent, and one day you see your friend has the exact same behavior as their parent. Well, this excites you. You want to tell your friend, you go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And I say, back away from Bill. The moment you say that, Bill is going to go, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. And we'll rant like that. And most people are very familiar with it. I said, most profound story in the entire world right now. Why? Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. Yeah, that's the behavior he downloaded in the first seven years. Who doesn't see it? Bill. I say, why not? Because when he's thinking, he doesn't observe the automatic behavior from the program that he downloaded from his dad. So that meant 95% of the day he was running programs. I said, well, what if he got a program not good enough? I said, the brain will just take that program and manifest it. That's the function of the brain. Manifest the program. And all of a sudden I go, wow, what does that mean? I say, I am not in control of my life 95% of the day, nor are you. Why? Because we are all <laughs> programmed. That was the only way to get the computer off the ground. You had to have the, the program. And then, then the story that Lynn was bringing up was, well, how can things just change? I go, the movie The Matrix, called science fiction, but nah, the movie The Matrix is a documentary. Why? <laughs> Everybody's been programmed. And in the movie, you get a choice of a blue pill or a red pill. You take the blue pill, you're back in the world. Everything's exactly the way it's always been. But if you take the red pill, you get out of the program. What Lynn is talking about is that when you switch your consciousness and stop thinking for that moment and start being present, that's called being mindful, staying in the present moment. Guess what? No autopilot. You're the pilot. And what did you create? The moment you let go of the program, what you wanted. And this is what the honeymoon effect is all about. You went blah, 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 your whole life. Then you meet this person. Guess what? You stop thinking. 
Why? This, you've been waiting for this person your whole life. They're in front of you. What, what do you want to think for? You want to be here. And so in that moment, you stop playing the program. And for that next little bit of time, you are running your life with what? Wishes and desires, conscious mind. I go, well, what'd you end up with? Honeymoon. <laughs> Not an accident. It was a result of you for the first time in your life, taking the control, putting your hands on it, not not uh, thinking, but staying present. And that meant then you are controlling the vehicle with your wishes and desires. When you are thinking, your hands are off the wheel, you're on auto program. And I say, but what about those programs? I go, psychologists have revealed that 70% or more of the downloaded programs that we get between zero and seven are disempowering, self-sabotaging, and limiting beliefs. And that basically says, and that's what's running your life 95% of the day until you stay mindful, until you become conscious, until you open up to the field, until you you know put a different way of believing and thinking in. Then you can take back the control. Uh, but mm-hmm. the moment you start thinking, you'll revert right back to whatever the program is. So... Um, yes, this is this is what's important in Lynn's work to understand. Well, that's so interesting because it's it's what we experience. I mean, first of all, what we documented that <clears throat> there is a a turning off of the parts of the brain that are involved with thinking like you. I don't believe thoughts are locked inside our heads. I think the brain is much more like a uh, antenna receiver. It's transmitting. It's re- it's receiving. Um, and it's a re- it's not a repository of information, but it's a, of course involved. And what they find, we did um, brainwave studies on people during power of eight groups, and these were just student volunteers. We set up seven seven groups working with Life University. You know it well, the largest chiropractic university in the world. So they did, and they found that very soon after getting into these groups. There was a big lowering of the parietal lobes, the activity, which is they sit right here and they help us determine what's us and what's not us. And also the parts of the brain in the in the frontal, the right frontal lobes, particularly involved in worry, doubt, negativity, all that self-sabotaging stuff you were talking about, Bruce. And they they get turned way down. And what they found, you know, the scientists who were studying this with me, the neuroscientists, thought we were going to see something just like meditation. The brainwave studies were nothing like that. Those are, the in meditation even, although people talk about being outside of themselves, et cetera, a lot of parts of the brain involved with self and separation are still activated. Whereas with these power of eight groups, the group experience somehow turns that off so that people have an experience and brainwave studies much more akin to University of Pennsylvania studies of of Buddhist monks during ecstatic prayer or Sufi masters during chanting, um, where they're experiencing a sense of ecstatic oneness. So they've turned off that thinking brain. And as you say, Bruce, they are just in, they are involved in being totally present. And I would say, because it's a group, they're totally present with the others. I mean, that's the thing. There's an, a, a very tangible other right there. In fact, seven others of them. And there's something about doing that, whether you're a sender or a receiver, 
that is really remarkable. Um, we find that um, that the big piece that I found that was so important is altruism. I just want to check on you. Do you want to say something for a second, Bruce? Because you were freezing up for a bit. Can you hear me? Are you? Conversation, but uh, I would like to add to parts of the conversation that I heard that are really important. Uh, and this is what changed my entire life. Uh, well, there are two parts that changed it. One was how the cell works and how uh, consciousness controls our genetics. That was really cool because it says well, if you change your consciousness, you change your genetics. That empowers you, of course. That's what it's all about. But one of the things that was important to me in my research was simply this. When I understood that the cell membrane, not the nucleus, was the brain of the cell, uh, I also recognized a very important fact simultaneously because I was in the medical profession at that time, uh, and that is no two people are identical. There's no two biological people that have the, the same identity. And you go, what do you mean? I go, if I take my cells and put it into your body, your immune system will say not self. If you take your cells and put it in somebody else's body, their immune system will say not self. Why? There are no two, two people that have the same cell. So oh, we're all different. What makes us different? And this is where what, what blew my mind was because when uh, you look at the surface of the cells, there are some antennas that stick up on the surface, just like little television antennas. Uh, and these are called self-receptors, interesting name, self-receptors. Uh, they respond to environmental energies. I go, so what? I go, no two people have the same set of these self-receptors. I go, so each of us is different because each of us is responding to a unique broadcast in the environment. Our identity is not in the cell. Our identity is picked up by the antennas on the surface of the cell. And the moment you get that, it was the moment I got, it was like, oh my God, I'm not in here. I'm a broadcast playing here. And as Lynn said, I also send back to my source, my response, my brain, because remember I told you the, the uh, um, MEG, magnetoencephalograph, says that your thoughts are broadcast back into the field. So the field comes in and your thoughts go back out. You're connected to this field. Well, what's the point? If you understand what I was getting at, uh, and uh, it was so profound for this reason, I realized that our identities are not in the cell. They're received by the cell through a set of receptors that no two people have the same set. I go, so what does that mean? I go, analogy that is perfect for this is you're watching a show on television. I say, is the show in the television? I say, no, nope, the show is broadcast to the television, picked up by the antennas. And I go, well, when you're watching the TV and the TV breaks, you say, oh, TV is dead. And I go, yep, TV is dead. It's not working anymore. Is the broadcast still there? I go, yeah, it is. How do you know? I say, get another TV into the same state and you're back online. Well, if you understand the nature of the self coming to these research, the body is the equivalent of a television set. I am playing the Bruce show right now. Why is it relevant? If my television breaks, my body dies, Bruce is dead. The show is not in Bruce. The show is the, is the broadcast. I go, oh, then I'm still here. I go, yep, no no television to play through. So what? Somebody gets another TV and tunes it to the same station, and I'm back again. And that's carnation. Okay. 
And so I said, why is this relevant? And the answer is this. The wake up thing that happened for me when I understood this was like, first thing blew me away. It's like, oh my God, I can't die. I'm not even in here. One field of energy. And the point about that is you can get back into that field and that's above the body. Uh, and above the body in science, when we talk about genetics, the conventional belief is genetic controlled. Uh, something is controlled by genes. But the new science is called epigenetic control. And it goes, well, it sounds like the same thing. And I go, no, epi means above. I go, like, the skin is all the layer called the dermis. So guess what? It's called epidermis, above the dermis. And I go, so what is epigenetics? Control of genes from above. I go, oh my God, the broadcast of who we are can control these genes. I go, absolutely, epigenetics. We can change your genetics with your belief system. And then I go, and and where's your belief system? I go, 95% of it is in the program you receive from other people. And those beliefs are so limiting and self-sabotaging, such as health is under the control of a doctor or a professional. I go, no, health is under your control, but you gave up the control when you were an infant during programming. I said, what does that mean? I go, well, most people, when they grew up as kids, when they got sick, oh, it's time to go to the doctor. Time to go to the doctor. I go, what does that mean? As a seven-year-old and under, that's a program because it's being downloaded. I say, what's the program? I don't take care of my health. The professional takes care of my health. And so what's my program? I give power over my creativity to the word of the doctor, because I judge that in my first seven years, he's the professional, she's the professional, I'm not. And I say, so why is it relevant? I say, be careful of prognosis. <laughs> Prognoses <laughs> are, are, are creating a future from somebody else's opinion. Absolutely. Is, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Bruce, I, I give a course on that called Become a Better Healer with the Power of Eight. And I collect bad prognoses and bad languaging from health professionals, even alternative professionals, because they don't recognize that their thinking and their speaking is affecting what happens to the patient's outcome. And I love it. I have, I have a listing of people saying things like, this is going to be a long, slow and difficult journey, <laughs> you know, and that's said by a very well-known, you know, practitioner, things like that, or you know, you're a shadow of your former self, you know, just, and what are those kinds of things supposed to do? But, you know, just what you said about languaging, getting off of this programming and understanding that you can change and create in an instant because you're not, you're not even there is so liberating. And what we see, the big piece that I see in our power of eight groups that must have a big effect on the alteration is number one, understanding that the programming is just thoughts and those thoughts can change. So one of the things we do in my intention masterclass is a little bit of time traveling. We do some retro intentions and just go back to some of the limiting thoughts and don't change what happened. We change what we think about what happens. And it is amazing, instantaneous. I've had people with vitiligo that started repigmenting 
right there at a workshop from doing this kind of work, let alone people who have let go of horrendous traumatic experiences. Um, and also the other big piece that I want to make a, a thing of is, you know, we're all talking about getting off of yourself, getting away from this programming. And one of the most powerful elements of that is the group effect and the altruism. One of the things that I've found that seems to be behind the success of these groups is the fact that people have a group of strangers intending for them. So this is like a new thought. They get out of that past programming, as you say, and they're into this altered state with a bunch of people vibrating with the same thought together. And the fact, it, it doesn't seem to matter whether they're intending for you or you're intending for them. We've had a lot of people who get healed just when they start, they get off of themselves and they do, they do an intention for someone else. I think of a woman called Lisa in one of my master classes. She was a bodywork practitioner who had come up with an amazing idea for a book for healing trauma through bodywork. But she'd never written a book before. She'd gone through three editors. It was getting nowhere. She was frightened of marketing. And her group we kept intending for, and she was getting no progress. So I finally just said to her, Lisa, get off of yourself. Start intending for someone else in the group with a health challenge. So she did. She intended for someone else. And the meet, the as soon as she did, immediately, whoops, we've just lost Bruce, everybody. I'll just finish this story and let's, I tell you what, let's try to get him back again. Hello. You back. Great. I'm back. I, I, I didn't, I was just sitting here and I disappeared. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Let's, let's, let's see where you are. There you are. There you yeah. are. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry. I was just about to reboot and get, get you back again. Good. Well, this is probably just as well too, because you were freezing a bit, Bruce. So this will be a better broadcast for everyone. Yeah. So just to finish my story. It must be the pharmaceutical industry. I think they're after us, Bruce, definitely. So I want to finish my story about Lisa. Um, where did you leave off? Um, did you, I think I was telling you about how she couldn't get this book done and I told her to get off of herself. And the moment she did, she got this uh, a, a urge to go into a store that she didn't really even need anything for. And she, um, she goes in and she sees somebody she vaguely knows. Turns out that person is a book coach who used to be a publisher. And when she hears about Lisa's travails with her book, she she offers to walk her through the whole process. And she does, and the upshot is it becomes an Amazon bestseller. Now, this happened right after Lisa got off of herself. Whoops, we've lost Bruce again. There you go. I have no idea where it's going, but I've been sitting here enjoying the quietness because I said I better enjoy it because I don't want to be scared. <laughs> You're not there anymore. <laughs> I know. They don't like us. The the powers that be don't like us sharing this information together. So and absolutely, that's actually a very a very true 
a very that true is story. a very true that is very true oh my goodness we have we have skeptics trying to take a, my magazine what doctors don't tell you out of the stores you know they they keep after us all the time and of course you have the same problem I do probably Bruce with your Wikipedia pages you know full of all kinds of lies yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it doesn't uh, matter we we speak to the people who want to hear Absolutely. You know, it's funny because I went in a bookstore the other day and I was going to buy a copy for my friend of my own book, Biology of Belief. I said, no, I think it should be here somewhere. And I looked in all the sciences and everything. And I said, it's not here. So I went up to the desk and I said, do you have this book? He said, oh, yeah, we do. I said, where is it? Mysticism. <laughs> Mysticism. <laughs> I know. I know. My, you know, my book, The Field, it was really funny when it came out. It had um, they didn't know where to put it. And so it ended up being a favorite book of physicists and also people involved in in spiritualism or spirituality, something like that. So, you know, we, we sit right in the middle. So I was talking about altruism, the, the whole idea of getting off of yourself, which seems to be so powerful. The people who change and, and experience this in my Power of Eight groups um, are not just, as I say, not just the, send, the the receivers, but the senders. So it's really a point of getting off of yourself. Any thoughts about altruism? Because, you know, when I look at the science of it, Bruce, it's amazing. It's like a bulletproof vest. You know, yeah. people who are altruistic, no matter how small that is, live longer, healthier, happier lives. Any thoughts about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the idea is this. Evolution, uh, in the conventional sense, is Darwinian theory of evolution is based on the fact that there's greater and greater genetic complexity when you go from a simple organism up to a human. It turns out that humans have the same number of genes, 20,000, as some of the smallest organisms on the planet. I go, what, what's relevant? I say, well, the first thing is this. Genes are not the metric for evolution. <laughs> That's not the metric. Uh, the evolution is actually based on consciousness and as we expand our consciousness this is what evolution is about but consciousness is a shared reality because as we talked about your thoughts and your consciousness are not in here they're out in the field and therefore influenced by all the other fields that are out there at the same time and once we understand this then we have an opportunity to focus on on the fields that we want to be in, not the other ones. That's like uh, interesting. It's like a lot of people say, well, let's, let's go into the world and fight the, the bad guys and change the world. I go, no, don't waste your energy. Go outside, build a new one over here. No fighting, create the new one. People will come over here. And so this is what, you know, we've been involved with uh, you and I 20, 30 years of, of doing this work. And altruism is a real important part because if you look at evolution, there are it's two phases that one after the other and then a hierarchy. So it's two phases and then a hierarchy of, uh, of these phases. Phase one, make the smartest individual organism. So you make the smartest bacterium. Mm -hmm. Artists, I go, yeah, because the neural brain processing of a cell is physical. There, there's a membrane with receptors and things. It's physical. You can only put so much in a bacterium. I say, so what happened when the smartest bacterium was made? I go, you couldn't make a smarter bacterium. You couldn't give it any more membrane. Evolution stopped. I go, yeah, it stopped in that form. Because the second phase of evolution is bring all those bacteria together and they share their awareness and create a, a, a bigger consciousness. 
that was called a biofilm. And that turned into an amoeba that was a new organism. And I said, well, even the amoeba grew to a certain size of membrane, couldn't add any more. So the amoeba couldn't get smarter, single individual one. Then what happened? Amoebas came together in communities. Like we're made out of 50 trillion amoebas. That's who we are. And then we create, we're the new organism. And then we maximized our intelligence. Why? The skull can only hold so much brain. And the surface area, that's why it's all folded into sulky and gyri, because it's surface area that's intelligence. And so you look, oh, yeah, but we maximized it. So human evolution stopped, well, oh, thousands of years ago. And then what? Coming together in community is what jumps us to the next level of consciousness, that we are cells in the body of a bigger organism called humanity. Eight billion cells have to learn to live in harmony just as 50 trillion cells live in harmony under your skin. If you're healthy, you've got 50 trillion sentient beings living in a community, sharing awareness and creating the character of human life. And our call that we're supposed to be involved with, if you understand the pattern that repeats itself, is we are at the stage of evolution of humanity is to recognize we are all one that we all come from the same field, and that when we bring ourselves together in a large community, then all of a sudden uh, we increase our consciousness so profound that our technology is changing so fast. When the technology was basically that archaeologists uh, started to go back over time and they found, well, for 100,000 years, all the, the primitive campsites had the same tools and everything was exactly the same. And about 30,000 years ago, technology showed up a plow, a wheel, things like that. At first, these technologies lasted thousands of years. The same plow was used for a long time. But as more and more people got together and the community got larger and larger and awareness was being shared, our technological development has jumped so fast that what might be a new technology today could be outdated by the end of the week. Uh, And so the reality is what? evolution is coming together in community. I go, yes. I say, physically? Yeah, well, that's what we perceive. But no, it's energetically. We are all in the same field. Uh, It's like humans are like a radio uh, uh, broadcast band. And each of us is a station along that band. And when we recognize, don't look at the individual. It's look at the whole band. It's like, oh, that's the destination. And so bringing the powers of aid, bringing group intention together is what? Enforcing an evolutionary paradigm that says we are collectively creating. And if we can get harmony in our creation, then we manifest reality. Unfortunately, the harmony that we have also been creating is not supporting us. But so many people believe in this stuff like war. You know, it's like you can't have war if one person just says, let's have war. You can only have war if a large number of people have war. So you convince their consciousness and then a war manifests. We manifest war. I go, what? Consciousness created that. Not one person, large numbers of people had to come together to create that war. Uh, and, And so the reality is this. Yeah, but what about bringing large people, large numbers of people together with a different consciousness? What about bringing them together with the idea of harmony and health and growth and all that? And this is really important because in biology, physiologically, uh, a biological system has two different directions. 
It can do one or the other, but it can't do both at the same time. They're exclusive. Growth, you have to be open to take things in. Protection, you have to be closed to wall things off. Growth, you go to a stimulus. Protection, you go away from a stimulus. You can't be in growth and in protection at the same time. Okay, so why is this relevant of this world that it's all based on fear and stress and not enough of this and fear and all this stuff? What does that mean? We are going in protection. That closes us down to keep us from integrating with each other. So what's important for us to recognize right now is evolution is no, open up and create a bigger harmonious community with a better thought. And this is uh, what the intention experiments exemplify. Let's have a better thought, put us in a community and watch it manifest. Well, what if 8 billion people had that better thought? And the answer is, Planet Earth is heaven. <laughs> That's what we came to create. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm so Absolutely. glad to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that both you and I have written about the fact that Darwin was wrong, that actually we were always meant to be part of a greater group. Uh, we were always meant to be part of a conscious whole and a larger whole. And that human beings are programmed essentially to connect, to give, to, you know, to be, we need belonging more than we need food. All of those things. So one of the things that I've recognized is that perhaps in these groups of eight, perhaps in these big, large scale intention experiments, people suddenly feel at home. This is the way it was supposed to be, you know, yes. not this feeling of isolation and protection and fear based experience, but being part of a greater community. And I see it with my intention experiments. I mean, we ran one. Um, not long ago, where I used um, equipment from a studio where we could beam into different locations and we put cameras in eight different Arab cities uh, in, in eight different conference rooms. And the ninth camera was filled with an audience of Israeli Jews. And we sent intention together to lower violence in Jerusalem. And at the end, because it was two-way equipment, everybody could talk to everybody else. So I called on different audiences in turn and the people from Saudi Arabia were sending love to the Israelis and the Israelis were saying, your God is my God. And suddenly those divisions, that hatred that people have grown up with disappeared. So this is one of my big plans, Bruce, I hope is, is sometime next year running a big intention experiment. I'm going to have Republicans and Democrats together, doing it together and see what happens. So, you know, it's a, What's interesting then is that the Arab Spring started in Tunisia and um, uh, they toppled the dictator and the government was now in a shambles and, and they wanted to rebuild. And at first they tried to get their Congress to work together to create a new constitution. And all they did was in our typical world of right versus left argue. Nobody made any change at all. It was just they then had another election, and, and for the first time, they elected a lot of women into Congress. And all of a sudden, the program changed. The first <laughs> thing the women did when they brought in is says, look, stop arguing A, B is different of each other. They said, the first thing is this, let's come together where we all agree on a common ground. Should people be, should they be taken care of all things? And as a result, instead of 
focusing on, on what really kept them separate. They first said what we agree created and the uh, the government and Tunisia Prize a couple of years back because the Constitution is one of uh, of freedom to have people in community and grow the just having you break up again, Bruce. And build a government based on agreement. There you go. There you go. So building a government based on agreement. Yes. I mean, this is what we want to work on is the whole idea of getting off of yourself, being part of a larger whole, and the program changes. So yes, sadly, the program changes. Sadly, we've just about come to the end of our hour. I just wanted to let everybody know. I know we just went like that. As we know, it always does, Bruce, when I'm spending my yeah. great time with my dear buddy. Well, there's a great amount of harmony from two different directions coming together to emphasize the exact same reality that we're all facing. Uh, and I'm so excited by it because uh, between us, you know, how many years we've been doing this. Uh, and if we go back, and uh, in my particular case, go back to the early days, like trying to get a few people to come into the room, and today, <laughs> and today have thousands of people come into the room, is a great reflection because it says that people are now saying, okay, there's there's another way, and we've been on the wrong track, uh, and that track is taking us into destruction. It's actually the sixth mass extinction of life created by us and our own behavior is we're killing ourselves. And so it's wake up time. We gotta wake up because this extinction is not a thousand years from now. It's in decades. Uh, and so um uh, I'm so glad you're out there because uh with people like you out there, I don't feel so uh alone as well going out there and talking because I say, look at look at all my, my friends here, such as Lynn. Uh, we're all coming from different places, but we all have the same destiny. We do. The, uh, we do. We do. And it is so great to be part of this amazing community and to be working with changemakers like you, Bruce. And yeah, the big thing people have to understand, and I guess what we talk about is, look, mm -hmm. a lot of what we think about has to do with the wrong paradigm and the way we behave and that paradigm is based on science. But one thing you must understand is science is just a story. And new chapters supplant the old chapters that have been there before. And Bruce is one of those people and uh, my work and Greg Braden's, et cetera, are one of those people who is trying to change the story. So do listen in to both of us. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Bruce, for being part of this. And thanks for everybody for, you know, dealing with our technical challenges, but we got through it. So thanks again, everybody. Take care. This is Lynn McTaggart, helping you to live the new science. Keep listening and I'll continue to give you information and tips each time about how to incorporate this new information into your life.